This is American Real, where we aim to inspire, empower, and enlighten you through the stories of our guests. Here's your host, Roger Brooks. So let's talk about uh, sure. something that you made me aware of that I, I was not aware of, and, and that's that you have autism. And would love to learn just a little bit more from your perspective. Being on the autism spectrum, it's both a blessing and a curse. Yeah, I just process things very, very differently from other people. I'd love to be both seen as equal, but I'd love others to understand my limitations as compared to other people with, you know, my ways in processing things or understanding things. You know, I may need a little bit of time to to understand what people are are saying, or if I need to ask for clarification, or if I need to ask them to repeat things, ask them what they need. Figure out what sort of communication style that you need to adopt to be able to work with them, and they will work with you. This is American Real. I am Roger Brooks. My guest today is Alexander Griffin. You are an innovative, award-winning young filmmaker, director, writer, actor, and multimedia entertainer who specializes in media that defies imagination. You trained in Manhattan under the guidance of Broadway performers and industry professionals, and you made your off-Broadway debut in New York City in 2015 at the age of only 15. You then went a step further and directed your very first stage production in the summer of 2021. And in the spring of 2022, you graduated from SUNY Oswego in the college honors program, but your cinematic work already preceded that milestone as your films had previously garnered multiple awards, both nationally and internationally for creative and technical skill. Today, you own and operate your own independent production company, Dream Quarter Productions. Alex, welcome to the show. Roger, my friend, it is an absolute privilege to be here. Thank you so much for having me. Yes, sir. And oh, look, so first off, we have to let people know that the the the, the reason you and I are connected, other than all this amazing work that you've already done in your young, however many years, you have worked under the American Real brand as one of our editors. And I'd love to start just by talking a little bit about that your experience first coming in as an intern and then working your way up as one of our premier editors. What, what's that experience been like for you? Wow. So um, it, I've, I've been under uh, I've been under Rogers, uh, a watchful eye for three years, uh, viewers out there. Uh, and so during that time, starting as, you know, an editor uh, for American Real, um, I really I was going in uh just wanted to you know gain some experience uh with the with the editing trade and understanding you know how these sorts of video podcasts worked and especially because it was during the um the pandemic i was really desperate to get some experience to add to my to my resume there um but going in and realizing how inspiring the stories really were and what sort of lessons that i could learn not only from practicing editing but listening to the stories of uh, different guests on the show it was it was an it was an experience unlike any other just to be able to listen to what they had to say and their unique insights their completely unique insights on how they approached both their own facets of business networking branding 
it was it was a it was a gift for me and and still doing it to this day it's it's more than a privilege to to be able to to continue to do because now that i am also working a full-time job i've taken the lessons that i've learned from american real and from editing the episodes into uh, a real life scenario and so that's that's one of the most rewarding things that i've taken away from from being an editor uh here at american real both the the mental and the practical application of of the craft that i've that i've practiced wow that's great to hear and you came in at a really unique time because prior to covid we had uh recorded every episode in for the most part in person and mm -hmm. We had to make that transition like many other people where it went from in-person to Zoom episodes. And the the hard part about Zoom is that, you know, what, what I was trying to do and what Michael Leonard and I were trying to do and what, what you were very good at is try to make the episode still unique and personable so that it's not just two people, you know, next to each other the whole time up on a screen where we might lose the, you know, the viewer. So you did a tremendous job with that. And um, I can't thank you enough. You came into our life at the right time, to my life at the right time as well. So the feeling is mutual. We also learn from you and uh, and your skills. So um, yeah, Alex, and, and you're doing so many great things out there. But I did want to at least let our audience know that not only are we showcasing you and your story today, but you are a big part of what we do uh, day to day uh, on the American Real team. So thank you for all that you do. Of course, Roger, and 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 thank you for giving me the opportunity to to stay with you and and the team for for so long. Just because of how much that I have not only been able to learn, but how much I have been able to teach you. Like you said, um, going in because I've been studying more narrative work uh, as part of my my training at SUNY Oswego. I went into editing podcasts sort of with that that mindset and so adding a little bit of storytelling to the way that I edit and the way that I switch between the the guests between you and the guests it's a lot more narrative and I wanted to be able to tap into that so I'm I'm really happy that I was able to uh to bring that to the table I'm happy I'm still doing it to this day so yeah that's great all right, well, let's start Let's start talking about your journey as a filmmaker. And I know this started when you were really young, right, from, from early childhood uh, right till this day. So what has that journey been like? Bring us back to those early days, um, you know, from when you could remember getting the bug, if you will, about filmmaking and, and how that has really uh, stayed with you until today. Well, you kind of hit it on the head by saying it was sort of a bug that bit me. <laughs> um, since I was just a little tyke, I've always, and I, I like to use this sort of analogy, I've always seen the world through the lens of a camera. By that, I would take, especially when I was like two, three, four, up until like maybe even like age 10 or 12, I'd always take like toys that I had and I wouldn't just like play with them, but I would... I would look at them in certain ways and I would I would position them in certain ways that told a story in my own mind. Maybe if they were at a higher angle, if my eyes were, to, at, were at a a lower position or if they were at a lower angle, my, my eyes were at a higher position. Just to understand the differences of how they looked and what sort of feelings I could create within my own head. 
And I just kept doing it and doing it and doing it. And then I asked myself, how can I really translate this into a repeatable experience, not only for myself, but for others, so I could express what I was feeling to others. Um, and so that's when I started doing stop motion uh, with with like Legos and, and, and other toys at home, just experimenting with how I could juxtapose my own thoughts with what I put onto the screen. And I did that for a few years. Obviously, I'm not doing stop motion now because that's a lot more time consuming. And because I have a full-time job, I don't have the time to do that. But uh, back in the day, uh, it really gave me a chance to understand what a studio setting could be like. Obviously, not what it is like because there are so many other factors, but what it could be like, setting everything up how I wanted it. And then I started doing more home movie style things with just me in front of the camera maybe, you know, a family member holding the camera and, and, and following me around, you know, standing in front, even with my cousins at, at some times doing some skits on, on camera and, and just having, just having fun, but understand and just getting into that habit as well. That really made me want to go further. Um, and that's what really made me realize my passion for storytelling is that I could be in front of a camera or I could be behind the camera and still bring those emotions out in the audience that I wanted to. That was really special. And so from there, I continued, you know, making home films, even if I just took, you know, pictures that we had, like memories from holidays together, just spliced those together, added some music, but I did so in a way that told a story. And I, and I really wanted to, I really wanted to continue that further from there. I also started getting involved in actual stage productions, theatrical productions, so that I didn't just limit myself to making home movies. And that's what really helped me with not only acting in front of the screen, but later on directing. Uh, and so after years and years of doing uh, community theater productions uh, in the uh, in the Southern Tier area, in the Binghamton area, and in the Endicott area, um, I took all those skills with me to SUNY Oswego and I made, as of right now, three, it, it's going to be three, hopefully four soon, but three award-winning short films, uh, Frame Fumble, Vector, and Rise, uh, two narrative films, one documentary. Um, and with each of those films, I wanted to continue my unique way of expressing not only the story I wanted to tell, but myself through those stories. This is where we are today. After I graduated from SUNY Oswego, still taking that through a lot more engaging storytelling through the visuals and through the pacing and through the editing and through the energy. And so that's that's mainly my 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 journey uh, since I was just a wee little tyke. <laughs> that's great. And you'll have to drop the links to those videos or at least where we could see those videos so so the folks watching can have access to that um, when you- Absolutely. When you when you actually produce this show. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. The, the links to uh, all of my films, both documentary and narrative are going to be in the description below. If you want to check it out. Great. So when you were talking about that, Alex, there's one, you know, especially when you were young, you're, you talk about lifting things up and looking at it. The, the word that came to my mind is perspective, right? How, what perspective we see our own lives you know, what, what lens are we looking at life at in general? And one of the things that I know about you 
in working with you over these past few years is that the perspective that you always have is positive. You have a positive outlook. Um, there's never a project that's too complicated that you're not willing to take on, even if it is difficult or challenging. You've always had that positive attitude. So I think it starts there. But it seems to me that, you know, just listening to a little bit of your story as you were, you know, looking at things from a different angle, that's how you take on life. And I think that's a great, um, you know, life lesson for all of us to, uh, you know, really embrace is that what perspective are you going to bring uh, to the world each and every day that you show up, right? Are you going to are you going to look at the you know the the world through a negative perspective or a positive perspective? So that's one thing I noticed about you, and commend you for again, um, you know, being so young in your career to be able to uh, be a leader when it comes to positivity and you know really being the light that shines in, in everything you do. Thank you, Roger. Thank you. And actually, that that kind of reminds me. Uh, it's it's a it's an interesting thing that you bring up you know, the, the positive perspective on, on the things that I do. And I truly realized that I was doing that. And I wanted to incorporate that into not only my own content that I produced by myself, but in working with others as well. Take, for example, my first ever theatrical show, uh, Feel the Flames. It was a show, a jukebox musical that I put together, 10 songs of the uh, legendary metal band Metallica together directed the show, played guitar, sang for it, and designed the projections. So I did a lot in that show. But the the point there was I went into that show with a different and unique perspective from other directors that I'd seen both at that community theater but also at other theaters. I wanted the cast to go away, changed people. I wanted them to look inside themselves and to realize the sort of abilities that they had and to use that in that show and to use those skills that they took from that show into future shows. And going in, I always wanted to make sure that they understood because Metallica writes songs that are not necessarily the most friendly in, in subject matter, right? And so going into that, I wanted to approach every single song in the most positive way possible while still staying truthful to the message of the song itself. And before one of our shows started, I can't remember which one, but before one of our shows started, one of my vocalists said to me, wow, I can't believe we're, we're, ha we're handling such heavy topics, you know, destruction, death, all these sorts of things in such a positive way, in such a positive outlook. And I, I, I pointed to him, I said, you crack the case. You crack the code right there. This is exactly what I'm trying to do. These sorts of things that the, these sorts of uh, lessons and these sorts of phenomena that are may maybe not necessarily uh, happening in real life and those that are happening or have happened in real life. I want everyone to take the most positive approach to them. And I want them to have that sense of you know maybe we can approach this logically with a critical mind and think about what they were trying to say and from that the cast just blossomed wow. with the material that they had because also it, it's not only that but because also i told them 
that I don't necessarily want this to be my show. It is their show as well. They brought to the table their own unique perspectives on the songs that they were assigned or the dances that they were learning or the subject material that was in the songs. And because of that, I said to them, you know, I trust you. I don't want to be, you know, micromanaging everything because I trust you. Now, this is not, you know, a, a lazy thing on my part just because I don't want to direct them the way that I want to direct them. I purposefully let them have a lot more creative authority so that they could go in feeling a lot more secure about their own talents, about their own abilities and skills that they previously learned to be able to apply that to what they're doing in Field of Flames. And since then, some people have told me that it, it that has been the most fun theatrical experience that they've ever had. So approaching that entire show with a unique and positive perspective, as we saw in Field of Flames, that was a big test run for me. And so ever since, and even before that, I have always applied that, always. <laughs> That's incredible. And you're, what you're doing there is you're empowering others. Right? Yes, you're absolutely. You're those around you to take their creative skill and let them do what they need to do, which I don't care where it is in the workforce or in the home life. It doesn't matter. When you empower others, it seems that that is the the best method for success for everyone, right? To So yes. you're not really micromanaged. You're not put in a box where you have to do it a certain way. Now, of course, there's certain things where if you don't follow, you know, a particular procedure, you know, it, it may not work as well as if, you know, you give someone that creative, um, you know, ability. But I think in this case, wow, that was really good for you to be able to empower your team members. Uh, and that's why you had success with this. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I got to agree with that. Obviously if there were, you know, certain dances where we had to, you know, manage traffic on stage. Yeah. That had to be a little bit more set in stone because the sort of factors there were, you know, safety so that people didn't run into each other or there wasn't, you know, a major, you know, confusion about where people were supposed to go. And then that might end up on a collision on stage. But other than that, that show was pretty much, I want to say for the most part, free roam. Because I, I, I took Metallica's uh, mindset there, you know, forget the rules. Forget how it was done in the past. We're doing our own thing now. Um, and even the drummer Lars Ulrich had uh, a saying, Metallica isn't a band, it's a mindset. Wow. And so taking that mindset and creating an, an energy from that, that is completely unique each show. So it doesn't have to be rigid every single time. I told them, I want none of the shows to be the same. I want each of them to be different so that you're not held to exactly what you did the night before and you can feel secure about what you do each unique night. Mm. That, that was part of the empowerment uh, that, I wanted to, that I wanted to do there. Wow, that's great. That's great. So let's switch subjects a little bit and talk about uh, sure. something that you made me aware of that I, I was not aware of. And, and that's that you have autism and yes. And I'd, I'd like this to be a really good candid conversation because I think sometimes people have a hard time, you know, having these discussions like, Oh my gosh, you know, that person has autism or this and that, or they suffer from this or that. But 
look, I mean, we've worked together for several years. I never knew that. I don't, you know, but I'd like to learn a little bit more about what it means so we could educate our listeners. And uh, and then I'd like to also, you know, know, like, what what does that mean for you? Like, were there some obstacles you had to overcome, you know? What, how, how are you able to navigate school? And, you know, maybe there's things that you had to do differently than say the average person and would love to learn just a little bit more from your perspective. Absolutely. Yeah. So I should start by saying uh, that every single case of someone who is on the autism spectrum is going to be different. And so the spectrum is not necessarily like one side or the other. It's a scatter. It's all over the place. You might have this symptom or you might have that symptom or you might have a combination or you might not have any of these at all or whatever. So at least in my case, being on the autism spectrum, I think has both been, and I've talked about it before in in my uh, documentary Rise, that was actually the focus of, uh, of Rise, being you know an actor on the autism spectrum, is that it's both a blessing and a curse. Being on the autism spectrum it has allowed me to see the world in a new way. I, I just process things very, very differently from other people. What I like to say is I learn in pictures and I also learn through doing um, because maybe sometimes words that come across to me may not process the first time or if there is a concept that is difficult to understand, I need it to be you know watered down so I'm able to process it more gradually and uh, so that it can soak in a little bit more like a sponge instead of just throwing it right at me. Um, and that's something that I will handily admit. And and it's not something that I, I necessarily want to, you know, just hide. Oh, no, I, I don't have that. It's, it's I, That's not a problem. It, it, it's something that is really inhibiting my ability to operate like like other people. And, and so being more of a visual and practical learner I think that's also enhanced my my storytelling capabilities uh, in film. Knowing that maybe I'm not able to understand these emotions by reading them as words on a page, but through seeing them, that's more something that I can that I can do. Um, but another one of the another one of the things about me is sensitivity to uh, certain stimuli. It's it's been mostly sound in in the past, and over over time, I've garnered a little bit of a uh, uh of a tolerance to sound thankfully um but especially back in the day and even before my my starting theater and starting film i was incredibly sensitive to sound and what did and you something was do, loud right what did you have to do to you know intercept that if you will what did i have to do to intercept that uh honestly back in the day there were i i didn't have the tools in the toolbox to be able to do that and so i either had to maybe like cover my ears or I had to, you know, figure out what sorts of things were going to be, you know, played beforehand. Or in some cases, if it was too overwhelming, I just had to leave this situation immediately um, just because it, I, I did not know how to process all these things going on in my head at once. And uh, it's what we call in the autism spectrum community, sensory overload. And like I said, it's not the same for everyone, but at least for me, especially with sound, that's what it, that's what it was like. Over time, as I got more and more used to those, you know, those those loud noises in theater, I felt better about, okay, if I know what's coming up or if I know, you know, the general vibe of what's what's going to be presented to me, then I can I can 
prepare myself mentally for that. And over time, I got better and better about it. And then for Feel the Flames, I started playing guitar on stage, electric guitar, very loud electric guitar, mind you. Wow. So I have developed a huge tolerance to not only sound, but other stimuli as 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 part of both practicing my craft, but also understanding the way that I reason through things. Right. And I and I go a little bit more in depth uh in in Rise, my documentary about about how I do that. Another one of the another one of the blessings though is that I have pretty much photographic memory. I don't remember the exact term for it, uh, but I have photographic memory. So when I am able to get a script in front of my hand, say for a show, I can pretty much read the script and then just go over and over and over again. And then it just sticks there a lot faster than maybe other people that are not on the spectrum might not have. At least that's what I've discovered from my own personal experience. And did that help you in school as well when you had to memorize things or, you know, prepare for tests? It, it, it depended on the subject. <laughs> it, okay. it, 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 I gotta say it, it depended on the subject uh, that I could, that I could do it for, especially those that were a lot more similar to the arts. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's something um, you enjoyed. Yes. Because it was, it was something that I was passionate about and something that I had put a lot of thought into previously for other subjects like, maybe mathematics. Okay. I wasn't the, you know, the, the best in, you know, the earlier years to the middle school years come high school though. I think with the, with the photographic memory and understanding what I had to do straight into it. And I ended up going all the way to, I think AP calculus in, in, in senior year. Wow. Same with, uh, I believe, you know, things like English, uh, that, that sort of thing is pretty much second nature to me now. Um, I can do proper, you know, grammar and punctuation and all that. Uh, especially when trying to do, you know, captions for videos or titles and videos uh, for both here at American Real, but also in my own films. So I think that was a part of it as well. So again, at least with me, it's a very special, unique case. Uh, and, and people have told me before, and you're not the first to say that, wow, I didn't know you had autism. <laughs> it's interesting because we at least... I, I I know a lot of us in the autism spectrum community, and this is more of a common thing. We try and and block it out in a uh, in a process called masking. We we try and put on a mask. I think that's why it's called that. We try and put on a mask to you sort of, sort of hide out, you know, that, that we are autistic. Over the years, it ha it has become not as much of a of a shameful thing for me anymore. It used to be a lot of a shameful thing because I wanted to be able to express myself. Who I really was and the sorts of you know behaviors that I that I exhibited, but now just under going into the real world and understanding that, that people are a lot more accepting about that and a lot more open about that, it's really not something that I'm ashamed to talk about anymore. I'm actually, I'm I'm, I'm glad that we're we're able to 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 bring this up and to to raise awareness not only just as an autistic person but as an autistic entertainer and a creator and a filmmaker. Um, because you just don't hear a lot of those those sorts of people around in the entertainment industry. Um, yeah. More so actors than anything. I have heard a, a few actors that are autistic and uh, do a lot of uh, acting gigs out there. But in terms of filmmakers and overall entertainers, you don't you don't get to hear a lot of that stuff. So with my unique case of being on the spectrum, I hope to raise awareness not only for 
you know, the viewers out there who are listening to this, but those who are in the entertainment industry as well. Yeah, that's great. And I remember a few years back, I interviewed Colin Cowherd, who is the voice of uh, Fox Sports uh, FX. And he actually revealed on on the podcast that he was on the spectrum, never really talked about it. Yeah. And and, and I guess my point is like, and the question I want to ask is, so from you know, from an outsider's perspective, say there's someone in the family or friends or someone at school, like, I mean, to me, you just, you treat people as people, right? You don't, you know, you don't, you don't have to do anything or coddle or anything like that. But from your perspective, is that all that, you know, someone on the spectrum is, is asking for is to be just accepted like everyone else, because you should be is, I mean, that's, that's the way I view it. I, I got to say again that, you know, each case is unique, but at least for my own perspective, I'd love to be both seen as equal, but I'd love others to understand my limitations as compared to other people with, you know, my ways in processing things or understanding things. You know, I may need a little bit of time to to understand what people are are saying or if I need to ask for clarification or if I need to ask them to repeat things. Like that's how they can that's yeah. how they can really, you know, at least treat me as as an equal in both getting the job done, but also understanding that, you know, I am different and that tailoring to my specific needs will make me feel like I am part of the group, like I'm part of everyone else. Mm-hmm. And both empowering me to do what I need to do to get my my job done and produce videos but also understanding the specific ways in which I operate and then tailoring their communication and their method of you know, working with me to that. That's really, really special. And so shout out to the, uh, to awesome. the team that I work with for doing that. Thank you so much for doing that for me. So that's, that's one of the, that that's my best advice for, uh, those who are working with new people on the spectrum, just ask them what they need. Figure out what sort of communication style that you need to adopt to be able to work with them and they will work with you. That's great, Alex. All right, so let's talk about your business, your personal business, Dream Quarter Productions. What is it? What is it all about? So Dream Quarter Productions is an LLC. It is an independent filmmaking company that I just so happen to be the owner, CEO, and creative director of. And back in the day, it started out pretty much just as a name for me to publish my college work under. Uh, I, I even, I was talking with uh, with my business manager about it. And I, and I said, I'd love to be just making, you know, a, a label, just a name to put all of our, uh, of our content under. Um, he was like, well, why don't you make a company? All right. And so <laughs> I, I went ahead and, and I thought of, you know, ways we could we could brand ourselves. Um, and he suggested the name Dream Court Productions that was actually inspired by uh, one of my favorite Metallica songs, Enter Sandman. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the, the, the lyrics and, and, and Enter Sandman sort of inspired, you know, Dream Court Productions. And so I was like, okay. All right. All right. And so I, I thought about a little bit more, you know, dream corridor, uh, just thinking about the, the the sort of material I wanted to make. That was where media that defies imagination or media beyond imagination came from. 
And from that moment on, that's the sort of content that I wanted to both start making under Dream Quarter Productions, but continue to make as far as my filmmaking journey went back, you know, being a kid. And I'd say taking that that mindset on and and continuing to make uh not only short films, but Dream Quarter Productions also makes tutorial videos and filmmaking gear demo videos. Um, and so through Dream Quarter Productions, I'm not just networking my own individual content, but I'm giving back. Because I want to make sure that budding filmmakers who watch Dream Quarter Productions videos feel more comfortable about you know, the types of equipment that there are out there, how they can use it, and the sorts of content that can open up to them now that they understand a little bit better. Uh, and so on Dream Quarter Productions right now, we have a Vimeo and a YouTube page. Uh, Vimeo is a lot more focused on, you know, my films and my more narrative work to be able to network uh, professionally. Well, YouTube has all of that and the, you know, the, the tutorial videos and the filmmaking gear demo videos. On YouTube, I go into not only the mindset of how to use these pieces of equipment, but also I go into, like, I've already started a Basics of Cinema episode, like, talking about the, the language of cinema and visual storytelling. It's an entire, you know, six-minute-long video just talking about how viewers can understand that if they want to start making their own films. Uh, and so Dream Quarter Productions is pretty much a Swiss army knife. Like that's that's what I think I like to call it now. It is a Swiss army knife with both networking, narrative and informational and educational content. Yeah, no, and I think that educational portion, portion is so important. Um, not only for people looking for things like you're teaching them, but just in general giving back. So Again, I mean, you're, you know, you called it the Swiss army knife. And I think that represents who you are, right? You're able to, to move in so many different ways and facets. And again, uh, I talked about it earlier that throw anything your way and you're able to interpret that, take it on and, and, and put your own spin on it that's unique. So I can't wait to see what you do with this company over time and, um, you know, I'm looking forward to checking out some of your content. Thank you. Appreciate that. Thank you. Great. All right. So let's move into now you wanted to, I, I know you wanted to talk about personal branding in both business and entertainment. Is that tied into that business or would that be something entirely separate? I actually think it's not necessarily just limited to Dream Quarter Productions, actually. And I, I've, I've, I've thought about this a little bit. Personal branding is what I consider putting your signature at the end of your content distinguishing that it is you who is making that and it applies in in business too i mean through editing episodes through uh with with guests such as you know david Breyer, mary henderson i've learned a little bit more about personal branding but then i said to myself how do i apply that to my own content and what i want to do and so i sort of have a unique style with my content in the cinematic world it's called auteurism like being an auteur an author an auteur right so personal branding is setting yourself apart in what you do, but making it so that you are absolutely unforgettable in both the work that you do, but how you make your viewers feel. 
Mm. I want, especially for my for my content in Dream Quarter Productions, I want my viewers to go away, obviously with the knowledge that they've gained, but also with the feeling they've taken away. It was Maya Angelou who said this quote, people won't remember what you did or what you said, but they will remember how you made them feel. That is what I that is what I I, I strive upon with personal branding in in doing Dream Quarter Productions. Also, partially the reason why at the end of a lot of my short films, I leave my signature. Yeah. At the end of it. So it, it's not just through the visual storytelling and the editing and the pacing and the sound design that I put in. I literally put my signature at the end of it to distinguish that it is my content and my content alone. Even if you have to get that literal with your personal branding, that's what I've learned. Yeah, no. And I, you know, the one word that stuck out to me in everything you said, which was really true is emotion. You know, we can emotionally connect with our audience. There's nothing greater than that. And again, the effort put forth, whether it's a video, whether it's a social media post, whether it's a logo, whatever it may be, it's that emotional connection that I think the best brands in the world soar because, because they're able to make that emotional connection. So I'm glad you absolutely. Yeah. All right. Next topic. You, my friend are writing a book. <laughs> it's sad, but true. And I'm not, I'm not kidding. Um, I think that is your title. Sad, but true. Tell us about it. Indeed. So um, in my years of being a part of American Real, I've noticed that, you know, there is a large component of book writing and book selling. And I, I kind of got an inspiration because I, I, I don't think I've had enough experience yet. Just my personal opinion. I don't think I've had enough experience yet to make a nonfiction or a memoir book. But I I went into uh, the the process of book writing reflecting on actually my college thesis project of all things. It was called Sad But True. It was a 16 minute play that I wrote. It was supposed to be a 10 minute play, ended up being 16 minutes, but I digress. Um, it talked about a lot of things that I had experienced growing up, both as someone on the spectrum, but also learning about who I was inside. Essentially the, the, the premise of Sad But True without giving too much away is that fame and fortune and glory and a massive following can transform someone into an absolute monster if 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 not regulated and so i made an entire 16 minute play for my college thesis program uh project about a college student literally a college student around my age who was feeling really really lonely and 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 not like herself and not valued and then all of a sudden essentially the the demonic antithesis of her comes to life or reveals itself to her and twists her to the dark side, making her an influencer. She thinks she's happy after all of that, but she's become the very thing that she hates, mm. right? And so I, I, I got the inspiration because it was only a 16 minute play. I got the inspiration. You know what? That story isn't finished. That story isn't finished. I want to. I want to keep going, and I. I want to take it further. The first three chapters in that book that I've written so far, and it is a work in progress, uh, are essentially what the original sixteen-minute uh, play were. But afterwards, I thought to myself, you know, maybe, maybe she she didn't get exactly what she wanted uh, 
at the at the end of the at the end of the original 60 minute play why don't we give her why don't we give her a chance to to come back and learn I love because that. that's something that in 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 my experience of of being a uh, a filmmaker I have noticed that sometimes I've gone a little towards you know oh I like how much recognition that I'm getting or oh I I like how much you know people are are liking my content and that's that's really you know taking me towards the dark side and then I realize how much it's starting to change me as a person I'm stepping back from that I don't want that I I I don't want my own virtues and morals and ethics to be twisted by that and so not only is this book sad but true a self-discovery for me but i'm hoping it'll be a a, a start of a journey for self-discovery for others if they if they need it uh and i and i'm i'm finding it to be a lot more common in people that both i have seen just as celebrities but also peers and so that's what that's what sad but true is and is developing to be uh and as of right now it is published on wattpad under dream quarter productions uh for anyone who wants to wants to check it out uh just a warning it is mature uh it is and, and because honestly it should be the, these sorts of things are not really the most lighthearted of subjects to be taken uh lightly this this needs to be taken really really seriously as as i took it seriously even before my high school days. And so having that 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 mindset from a young age and combining both my visual and theatrical like stage storytelling methods with that into a book. That's what that's what made Sad but True what it is today. Awesome. Well, congratulations and can't wait for that to be finished. Uh, you'll be able to add that to your resume. So Absolutely. This has been a great conversation, Alex. But before I let you go, there's two quotes that I'd like to read to you, and I'd like you to explain to us why they mean something to you. The first one, never settle for less. Never settle for less. In all of my years of making content, I have always wanted to go above and beyond with my storytelling capabilities and with the way that I make people feel, the emotion that I create. And so I, I I reflect upon my my old content, like when I was, you know, 10, 12, uh, just old home movies. And I cringe upon that. I mean, don't we all, you know, look at, you know, old pictures of ourselves or old, you know, memories of ourselves and we're like, oh God, we don't like that. But I I I I take all of that now. I, I didn't used to. I will admit that I didn't used to. I take all of that now and I'm thinking, okay, what can I learn from what I did then? Because I was proud of myself then. What can I do to enhance that and to go above and beyond? Never settling for less is not necessarily never being happy with what you're doing. I want to make that distinction very clear. Never settling for less is always going 110% and beyond. And it is not only going for the content that you're making, but it is going for what you are taking away as a person. And so that's why I always try to, and, and tell myself, you know, don't give up with what you're doing. It may seem difficult, you know, the, the process that you're taking, but why don't you learn some new skills? If you want to be able to show something on screen or, or put something in, in your book or, or stage something on, on, on the stage that you want to show, learn how to do it. Teach yourself, ask questions. 
And so that's what that's what never settled for less means for me. Love it. And the last one, making magic happen for others. Making magic happen for others. That comes from a mindset that I have adopted myself. Um, and it comes from the inspiration that I took from two very influential filmmakers for me, Walt Disney and George Lucas. Ooh. Uh, and been at their highs and their lows in their life. Uh, and the things that they've learned, Walt Disney has learned, you know, that making magic is 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 essential. And his quote that I, I always stick by is, get a good idea and stay with it. Do it and work at it until it's done right. That's the first part of it. The second part is George Lucas's uh, mindset. Through all the, the trouble that he went through with, you know, producing, you know, the Star Wars movies and uh, the trouble with studios and not, you know, opening up fully to his work and all of that. He always found ways to rise back up and get to where he is today. And so I've, I've meshed both of Walt Disney's and George Lucas's mindsets on not only filmmaking, but creating content into let no one keep you in your pursuit to make magic happen for others. And once I discovered that, I went forward full steam ahead with all of my content that I made, every single piece. Um, and and, and that, that sort of ties back into making media that defies imagination, doing something that people haven't seen before. And if someone has doubts, this is your chance to educate them on not only your mindset of what you're doing in, in this content, but how they can open up and see the content in a new way. So that's why I always say, n let no one keep you in your pursuit to make magic happen for others. Alec Triffin, wow. Uh, it was a pleasure and an honor, and I learned a lot from you today. And you are a rising star. I cannot wait to continue to see what you do uh, for your business and for the, the company you're working for and for American Real. Thank you for all that you do. Welcome to American Real family on this side. Usually you're behind the scenes. So it's great to introduce you to our audience. Uh, please drop all those links. And uh, thank you so much for spending some time with us today and for sharing your story. Absolutely, Roger. Thanks so much for having me. And to all of the viewers out there, thanks for sticking with me over the past few years as the editor for American Real. And I am so welcome for, for many more to come. Thank you. Thanks for tuning into American Real. Be sure to visit our website, AmericanReal.tv, or search for us on iTunes or YouTube for past episodes. While you're there, please rate us or leave us a review as that helps others find our show. I am truly grateful and appreciate all of your support. If you'd like to be part of our inner circle or want one-on-one -on -one coaching, check out the American Real Learning Academy, where we have self-help groups and courses so you can build the best you. We also have a new Facebook group where you can connect with high achievers from around the world. If you want to go even further, maybe you're determined to write your own book or launch your own podcast, contact me today to see if we can help. You can reach me through Instagram or Facebook or email me directly at roger at americanreal.tv. Thanks for tuning in 
and we'll see you next week.